This is LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and welcome to the podcast, Employment Notebook. In this episode, we're going to talk about communication, something that employers, employees, job seekers, everybody talks about as being so key and so important, yet it seems we always struggle with it. Now, to talk about this subject in more detail, we have Diana Boer. Diana is an internationally recognized business communication expert. She's also the author of 46 books with nearly 4 million copies sold. Her latest book is What More Can I Say? Why Communication Fails and What to Do About It. Diana, thanks for coming on the show. Sure, it's my pleasure. I wanted to start off actually with a quote I saw attributed to you, and um, I just found it interesting. I want to get your take on it, maybe a little more detail. So it said, to influence someone, we have to start with the other person's reality, not ours. What does that mean exactly? How does that relate to communication? I'm talking about relevance there. Most people start off thinking or talking about, here's what I need, and they're focusing on the current situation that they have at hand. You know, this is my problem. This is the situation. I need you to send me this, etc. While the other person is totally focused on their need, their problem, what their <laughs> top priority is. And so all messages have to be tailored to the other person and what they're looking at. Do you see that as being the main reason we struggle with communication? Is it one of the big reasons? How would you rate that? I don't think it's the main reason. Okay. No, I think the main reason is trust. We, ah. We're just so <laughs> leery of any message that comes to us. We just close down for the most part because everybody out there is broadcasting and screaming, listen to me, listen to me. That's, <laughs> that's the main thing. We just shut down on all communication. So sure. it's hard to get people's attention. I think that's a great point. And the idea of trust, of course, comes up all the time in conversations we have with job seekers, employers, employees, that kind of thing. When we're talking about communication specifically, and you mentioned trust, where does credibility fall into play here? Well, I think the first thing that happens when you're talking about credibility is that people are going to disbelieve about half of what you say. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so, <laughs> because studies do, do show that people stretch the truth sure. on, their, on their resumes and on their job interviews when they go in, they're always using the proverbial, we, we did this, and <laughs> we did that. And when you dig a little deeper, you find out, well, it was their team and it's not actually they did it, but you know, they had a small part in it. So they're going to disbelieve a great deal. And so you have to overcome that by being very specific instead of talking generically about what you accomplished, the more detail you can give. And I don't mean getting down in the weeds detail, but the more specificity that you can attach to what you're saying, then that builds credibility. Sure. As long as you're talking globally, that doesn't say much about the fact that you know or that you're an expert in what you say. Yeah, and maybe you alluded to this a little bit already. You know, we hear communication being the number one key and the number one thing we need to work on. And we constantly hear that from employers and, uh, you know, employees alike. What makes it so difficult, so challenging to seemingly, it doesn't seem like anybody can actually master this idea of communication. That's true. And that's because we don't take the time to learn how to do it right. In the book, I lay out nine specific principles to apply. And, and what we're trying to do is persuade in a job interview. Obviously, you're trying to persuade. And most people go about it totally in a backward way because they haven't mastered those basic guidelines. Mm -hmm. And in a job interview and in a, in a resume, one of the key 
things that we do that's just it's counterintuitive. And I found fascinating in the research is that we tend to give far too many benefits. We try to tell too much. Hmm. And what the research shows, and it's, it's just amazing to me, is that when someone is interviewing you, they tend to average. And we, as the person who's doing the, being the interviewee, the, the applicant, tends to add. And what I mean by this is, is this. Let's say you have three key qualifications. Uh, you're going in for a job. Let's say you have a, a master's degree in something. And so that they're rating you one to 10, 10 being the high score they can give you. Mm-hmm. And, and you say, okay, I have a master's degree in that. And they say, oh, oh, that's a 10. And you say, and I have 25 years experience in that area. And you're saying, oh, okay, give them a 10 on that. And you say, they say, and by the way, the job is in, in Mexico. And, you're, and as an applicant, you're thinking, okay, well, you know, I should mention that I speak a little Spanish. I had a couple <laughs> of courses back in college. And, and so you mentioned that. And by the way, I, I worked a couple of years in Mexico and I had some college Spanish. And so they say, interviewer hears that and they say, okay, let's give them a, oh, they probably can't speak that anymore. Let's, let's, let's give them a three on that. So they average 10, 10, three. Okay, let's, let's rate this candidate a seven. Oh. As an applicant, if you had just told them the top three things or two things, help a master's degree in that area and I've got 25 years experience, you would have walked out of that interview as a 10 candidate. Hmm. The thing is the research, and this is across the board, like eight major studies, Say that that we tell too much right. as an applicant. We should have just we just need to realize that the listener is averaging the benefits or the qualifications or your skills. So you want to tell the top things, not everything. Right. That's a major principle. I think if we don't take away anything else from this conversation, I think that's a fascinating piece there as far as keeping that in mind when we are, whether it's writing up our resume, cover letter, or speaking interview, as you said, just uh, the idea that we're giving too much and that actually hurts us in the long run. I think that's a great piece of information there. Diana, you did allude to the, uh, the nine fundamental laws of communication that come out of your book. I want to touch on a couple. Obviously, we're not going to get to all of them. And if you want to know about all of them, you can, of course, check out the book, What More Can I Say? Why Communication Fails and What to Do About It. But the first one, you know, we kind of touched on the one I have in front of me is trust versus distrust. I wanted to ask about tact versus insensitivity. What are we talking about there? How does that apply to successful communication? You hear the phrase frequently, uh, oh, well, we're just talking about semantics here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But words are really important. And when you use a less than sensitive word, in other words, a tactful word, you are like waving a, a red flag in somebody's face. And they get hung up on that tactless word, that insensitive word. I call them hot words. And they can't hear the rest of what you're saying. They just don't process it. They tune out at that point. Sure. And they don't pay attention to your overriding message. And when you bring, they bring that up and they say, well, you said blah, blah, blah. They're just missing the rest of the statement. For example, you're in an interview and, and they say something or you say something that they don't really like. And they say, well, I didn't really, um, I don't think that might be relevant to our job here. And you say, well, I don't think that's a fair assessment in that. And all of a sudden they react to the word fair, fair, fair. You're telling me I'm Ah, not a fair interviewer. Right, right. (laughs) Go off on a tangent (laughs) because you use that, that tactless word fair. And they miss your point when your point, if you had said, well, you know, really a more accurate assessment of my experience back at AZ operations would have been, and then they would have heard your whole message. But just because you use that word, I don't think that's a fair assessment. 
and they just boing, boing, boing. That's all they can hear. Right. You know, you're, you're out the window before you even get a fair interview. Another very intriguing point. And I think we've all been there in terms of it might not be in the workplace, but it could have been a personalized. Whereas you said, you hear that one word that just hits us and everything else doesn't matter. Right. It's like a mental eraser. So you want to plan. Most people, if they have a, a sensitive or a, a negative, what, what potentially could be a negative conversation coming up on the job, whether it's an interview or just something they need to get right, maybe they're calling back to say thank you after an interview or they feel like it didn't go well and they want to write the thank you for the interview note or letter or email or they want to call up and follow up. Plan that. Don't just try to wing it right. at the spur of the moment. It's really important that you plan exactly the phrasing. If it's going to be a sensitive situation, sit down and write out your opening sentence. Write out that transition phrase so that you don't accidentally use one of those hot words. Good stuff, Diana. Good stuff. Uh, another one I want to look at is, and of course, these things come up all the time when you're talking about hiring, and the idea of potential versus achievement. What are we exactly looking at there? What's sort of the, the separation of the two? Again, this is counterintuitive. The research is so important here. Most people think if they go in and sell you or you go in as an applicant and sell that interviewer on what you have done, this is what I've achieved. I've had seven years experience here. I've done this, this, and this, that that's what lends credibility. The research shows it's just the opposite. Mm. People, when they hear that, they think, okay, that's your limit. That's all you can do. Oh, okay. Whereas if you go in and sell them the dream, you sell them, well, here's my potential. This is what, because of my skills, I am potentially able to do. You will come out far better. And what is amazing is the research on this. Let me give you an example of the research. There are eight different studies that have been done on this. For example, they took a, an athlete, supposedly two athletes from the NFL, and they said, here are the stati statistics on this this uh, pro athlete. Uh, he's been in the league five years. This is what he's done. This is the these are all the averages and stats on this person. And here's a rookie. And we think because of this first year's play, well, this is what in the next five years we think this person can accomplish. Right. Now he's up for the contracts are up for renewal. What do you think we should pay them? And in all cases, the random people they interviewed, like 200 people, what do you think we should pay this person? Overwhelmingly, they wanted to pay the rookie far more on the new contract. Than the, sure. proven, than the proven <laughs> player who had been playing for five years with a great record, track record. Again, the thinking behind that is you've already seen what this proven performer can do, and that's his limit. That's all he can do. But it's the dream of what this potential new player can do. And the research shows that in almost all professions, whether they're an artist, a pro ball player, a movie star. I mean, we've all seen the movie star. This person's won Oscars for, for performance. And then they come in and get the new movie star that's start in one movie and they plan six times what the Oscar winner is, has earned in the last picture. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think those analogies are great. And uh, any guest that brings sports into the conversation, I automatically love you. So uh, well done with that. But to your point with the idea of potential, you know, I hear from employers that there's always that uncertainty with that person. Uh, the achievement might be, you know, the person who has these achievements might be safe, that kind of thing. Uh, do you see that as being the struggle a lot of people have with that, or is there something else? Well, what you want to do is to be able to say, I've done this. And, and of course, you know, there's the old saying, the best predictor for future performance is past performance. Sure. So obviously, they're going to look at your past performance. But what you want to really focus on is because of that past performance, here's what I can do. And you want to sell the dream. 
and you want to customize for what they want done, what that client wants done in the future, what that employer wants done in the future. And here's how I'm going to take that past performance and here's how I'm going to take it to new heights in your organization. And you're selling that dream. It's not that you're going to dismiss what you've done sure. in the past, but you're going to say, and here's the next plateau, the next <laughs> mountain I'm going to climb in your organization. The last one I want to touch on here briefly, and again, we're discussing these nine fundamental laws of communication that you'll find in Diana's book, What More Can I Say? If you want to get all the details, of course, you'll have to check it out there. The last one is fascinating to me because this comes up again all the time, different areas of employment and hiring and job searching, but that's the law of emotion versus logic. What exactly are you talking about here? Most people think that logic is the best way to go when you're trying to persuade someone, whether it's to hire you, to buy something or, or whatever. But logic alone never persuades. I don't care how much information you give them about a project you handled, how you you know, pulled off great seats in your past job. People make decisions on emotion and then they justify with logic. If you are in sales, you know that's true. You probably had it in your basic sales course. <laughs> but research there are mountains of research to show this. We make decisions. It goes all the way back to the Greeks, to Aristotle. We make decisions based on emotion. And then we look for logical explanations and, and details and evidence to support what we emotionally want to do. So I'm not saying that the explanation is unimportant, right. that you don't have to give it. Yes, people want that explanation, but you need both. So when you try to go into that interview, you need to give an explanation, but you need to tell a story. You need to give an illustration. You need to make it memorable and hit them emotionally so that you're reaching all senses to actually change their mind and persuade them to hire you. Diana, you definitely brought us some thought-provoking ideas and I think some excellent examples as well that you've been able to put in the practical application of these things, not just speaking in theory. That's always important for our listeners. I wanted to give you the floor at the end to give our listeners a final takeaway regarding communication, why it fails, or what's effective. Anything you'd like to leave us with today? Yes, I would say don't make them duck. <laughs> and what I mean by that is there is a point that you stop pitching. And it moves into the last point that I, that I mentioned here. Once you're at the door and you finish the interview, you need to connect with them to rebuild rapport, draw them into conversation as you walk away. That engages them and lets them know that you are human and you're not continuing to sell. Very well said, and that will be a good place for us to close out today. Diana, thank you very much for coming on. Sure, it's great to be with you. My pleasure. That will officially wrap things up for this edition of Employment Notebook. Once again, we are speaking with Diana Boer. She's an internationally recognized business communication expert. She also has a new book out, What More Can I Say? Why Communication Fails and What to Do About It. You can also find out more about Diana going to the website boerresearch.com. That's B-O-O-H-E-R research.com. You can find all information about her and what she provides as far as consulting, coaching, and training as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at LJN Radio, you can send us an email. Just shoot it to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN and also look for us on iTunes. Go ahead and search LJN Radio in the iTunes store and you can check out all of our podcasts that we provide here at LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. 